Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I got so many questions about how to make more with idle cash. Good to have idle cash, right? And I recently talked about rates from banks. I have a follow-up about brokerage houses and how you may be missing out on big yields by being with the wrong one. Also, healthcare is hitting Americans hard in the wallet. We're going to talk about some of the things going on you need to be aware of. So, I've talked about how the big banks continue to pay like nothing on savings. And in spite of that, people are sitting with massive amounts of money in savings accounts sitting at giant monster mega banks or big regional banks earning as little as one one hundredth of one percent. Now, that's at a time where savings rates are going up, 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 up. Okay, where do you get those? FDIC-insured online banks, NCUA-insured credit unions. And you can take that money and give it a booster shot. Well, let me tell you, the big banks also are big into the brokerage business. Several of them own brokerage operations. I've read two stories recently, one in Barron's, one in the Wall Street Journal. Actually, they're both the same owner, both publications. But anyway, that the big brokerage houses are also paying people on the money they have in the money market equivalents with big brokerages, paying them essentially zero on their money. One one hundredth of one percent to like six one hundredths of one percent at a time where like if you're with Fidelity or Vanguard, you're earning about four and a half percent automatically with money that you have sitting in money market. Let me draw that difference for you. So you go with one of these bank-affiliated brokerage operations, and they refuse to be fiduciaries. They charge extremely high fees, and then they cheat you on your savings? I guess that would be a trifecta if you're a gambler. That's about as terrible a circumstance as you could have. But Fidelity and Vanguard, they both offer these ultra-low costs for investors, they then in turn automatically pay you big money on your savings. Big, well, compared to 1 100 or 1%, getting 4.5%, that's good money, right? Now, the interest rates you earn on these money market funds with Fidelity and Vanguard, they go up and down every day, just based on what the flow of money is in the marketplace and what interest rates are being paid. Now, another of my three favorite children, Schwab, is kind of in a penalty box with me on this. Now, they're paying on money into what's called an automatic sweep. They're paying about 0.45%, less than half a percent, where Fidelity and Vanguard are paying 10 times that. Schwab, after one of the stories, bashed them 
I think the Wall Street Journal story. The next day, Schwab ran a full-page ad in the Wall Street Journal saying, hey, we offer these wonderful money funds available to you, which did not deal with the issue, which is Schwab, as a conscious decision, is cheating their account holders on their idle cash. Why would Schwab behave like one of the brokerage operations of a giant monster mega bank? They shouldn't be behaving that way. Chuck Schwab, I know you're in retirement. You're at your wonderful home on the big island of Hawaii, probably looking out at the surf right now. But I want you to fix this because it's your name on the building and start treating your customers like you should. Now, what does it mean if you're with Schwab? You manually have to move your idle cash from the sweep account into one of these money funds that Schwab offers, just like Vanguard and Fidelity, but you manually have to do it. And as long as you do it, it'll take you maybe a minute and a half to do it. You'll suddenly go from earning less than half a percent to four point something percent on your money. And we are all creatures of habit and inertia. And a lot of times there are things we know we should get around to, but we don't quite get around to them. This is a call for you, whether you do business with a giant monster mega bank with your idle cash sitting there earning one one hundredth of one percent, or you're with, I don't know why you'd be with the brokerage operation of one of these giant banks, unless you just hate your money. But anyway, if you are, at least get that money working for you by moving it into one of the higher yielding money market accounts with the full commission brokerage house attached to a giant monster mega bank. And if you're a Schwab customer, just do the move to move your money forward so that you're doing better with your money because it's your money. You worked hard for it. You want it working hard for you, not for the stockholders of one of the giant monster mega banks or someone like that. It's your money. Make it grow. Krista? Speaking of that, Nate in Missouri says, I recently saw that Ivy Bank has a high-yield savings account that is indexed to the one-month treasury yield, currently set to 4.71%. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, I had not heard of the savings account that is indexed to the one-month treasury before. Would an account like this outperform a regular savings account over time? So it'd be much more volatile because you're almost mimicking a money market account that you would have with Fidelity or Vanguard, or if you do that rotation with Schwab, with Schwab, the advantage of having it with the bank is it's going to be FDIC insured, which you're not going to have with one of the brokerage houses with most of their funds, but the money market funds are extremely safe. They're not something you need to freak out about. So doing that potentially in times that yields are running high in the institutional markets, you really benefit. You'll see the decline quicker when rates turn the other way. So you're getting the real benefit right now. At a later date, it might be to your detriment, but overall, it's a good strategy. Marion Virginia says, regarding Walmart's curbside pickup grocery service, how long do you expect the service to continue? This convenient service is free with a minimum of $35 order, And when an item or items are unavailable, Walmart ships these to my home for free. How can they afford to do this? They can't. I mean, you know, it's 
a real money loser for Walmart when they do have, and usually it'll be a Walmart employee who brings the item to your home. And so they're way upside down on it. What they're counting on is they want you to know you can count on them. And so there will occasionally be an item that they don't have in stock. They don't want you to go away disappointed or worse, start shopping at a competitor. And so they take the loss on a small number of items to be more reliable to you on your overall basket. Now, at what point will Walmart decide that they need to charge a fee? Sam's Club is experimenting with a fee right now on curbside. If you are a regular Sam's Club member, you pay $4 in most markets for curbside pickup. If you are a premium member, it's free. You can almost think about how Walmart is testing all this with Walmart Plus, where with Walmart Plus, you get free delivery. If you're not a Walmart Plus member, you pay for delivery, and they might go to a system something like that, depending on how the Sam's Club experiment works, for curbside pickup of groceries. Only time will tell. Enjoy it while it lasts, right? Right. Ray in Florida says, I have two stepdaughters from my recent marriage. They are both in their first year at our local community college. Will it make sense to start 529 accounts for them? They both plan on transferring to university for bachelor's degrees and graduate school. So very interesting question you ask, because if you said to me that they're going to go to community college two years, transfer to a senior college for junior and senior year, then it's a lot of effort to set up a 529 plan without real tangible benefit. But if their glide path is pretty clearly grad school, if you can afford to pay for undergraduate and put funds aside for grad school, you could put money targeted towards grad school into a 529 plan, and that would be a smart choice. Now, you live in Florida, and Florida puts all its effort into its prepaid plan. So the 529 you'd open would be an out-of-state plan. And on our 529 plan guide at Clark.com, you'll see the very best plans, in my opinion, for 529 plans around the United States. And you can just shop around and pick one and dedicate money in it that's going to be used years down the road for grad school. And uh, it's really wonderful that both of your stepkids are going to community college for those first two years because the savings of doing that, unbelievable. And I'd be remiss if I did not mention that Florida has a statewide network and Texas has something similar of ultra affordable local colleges that were community colleges that are now, they are now considered to be state colleges that offer extremely low tuition for four full years during a bachelor's degree. And so you never have to transfer to a senior college because the college you're going to can issue you that bachelor's degree. And I wish other states would follow the path that both Florida and Texas have done by coming up with extremely affordable four-year degrees. What is extremely affordable? Somewhere around the cost for four years of tuition, a little more than $10,000 for a four-year degree, which at a lot of private universities would pay for about, I don't know, four weeks of school. A meal plan. (laughs) (laughs) 
Speaking of something that costs way, 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 way too much, we're going to talk about another angle of the healthcare equation straight ahead that's eating up your wallet. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Being a doctor is an amazing thing. You go to school forever. You may accumulate quite a bit of debt from all the levels of school you go through. And then you have a much shorter working cycle because you may not be earning a real paycheck till you're past your 30th birthday. And you work in a field without much autonomy anymore because of the overbearing big insurance companies and then these hospital systems, which are trying to monopolize medicine from primary care on through to every specialty to act as feeders into higher price services that the hospitals are trying to control in metro areas. So doctors are generally not in the greatest moods. And we experience that as patients dealing with their offices and all the rest. I mean, it's a tough, tough business. And then because of the enormous cost of getting through education, And the pay levels offered to people in primary care, doctors overwhelmingly come out of medical school and study after medical school and go into specialties because the pay levels are much, much higher than they go into primary care, internal medicine, or pediatrics. So we have a train wreck here. We have massive numbers, tens of millions of Americans, maybe past 100 million now, who no longer have a primary care doctor because of the extreme shortage. And I've shared in the past that my solution to this is that nurse practitioners and physician assistants become primary care providers and an army of NPs and PAs would solve this problem with primary care that leads to a lot of people not going to see a doctor, not having an ongoing relationship with a medical professional, and then ending up much sicker, in rare cases dying, because of a lack of medical attention until something's a disaster. It's also why we've got these dock-in-a-box places popping up everywhere in America and more affluent suburbs. They're across the street from each other. People will go to one when they're not good physically, but there's no continuity of care. You go in, they don't know you, they don't know your history, they're treating the episodic event you're there for, and then you're out. I encourage you, as hard as it is, to find 
a primary care doctor now to try to get one. And this is especially true for guys. Guys are really bad about going to the doctor. And guys live a shorter lifespan than women. And one of the reasons is a lack of continuity of care. And so getting a primary care doctor or medical provider is really key. I know the AMA works with its state chapters to fight against what I want so badly is for NPs and PAs to be able to be primary care providers and hang their own shingles out. The reality is we have a marketplace problem, and that's the clear solution to improve the health of Americans. But uh, if I want doctors really angry at me, I can talk about this more, but that's enough. Another thing, because of this shortage of doctors, people are emailing doctors like mad now because they can't get in to see them, so they send the doctor an email. Well, now that's time taken out of a doctor's day. It's become routine now that you're going to be billed for like a mini visit for sending a doctor a question. Your insurance may or may not pay for that, but that is definitely where things are going. And this is all about the cost shifting going on in medicine. Uh, We as patients are paying more and more out of our own pockets, even if we do have health insurance. And we're not getting the level of service in the medical industry because of marketplace distortions with the big insurers and the big hospitals that we would with other kinds of medical providers. So you're swimming upstream to try to establish those relationships I want you to have with a primary care doctor of some kind, but do that. Swim against the tide. Swim against the current. And get that primary care doctor because it's going to be important for your health, your life, and your wallet. Krista? Austin in Florida says, I work for a large company where I'm fortunate to have good health insurance and benefits. The company has communicated that they are conducting a dependence audit on every employee. They're requiring everyone to submit dependents' birth and marriage certificates. This makes sense to me. However, they also require my 2022 tax return showing each dependent listed. Handing over a tax documentation seems like a big overstep for an employer. Is this a common practice? It has become a common practice. And the reason it has is there have been people gaming the system and keeping family members on their coverage, even people who aren't family members, but they pretend. And so employers are finding there's a meaningful level of fraud involved in people listing dependents because the way health insurance is priced by most employers, that you have one dependent, you pay a premium, you go to two dependents with most employer-provided insurance, it's the same premium, three, four, five, same premium is for one. I mean, 12 costs the same as one dependence. That's what's led to these audits. Asking to see your return, requiring your return, I'm with you. That is a dangerous thing for an employer's third-party servicer to require because who knows what care they're taking of that And a tax return falling into the wrong hands is a big, big problem. That's like big-time potential identity theft. But if they trust you so little where you work that they want that tax return, 
I think it's nervy, unreasonable, but if you want to maintain the health coverage for dependents, you're going to have to provide it. I would ask if I could redact a lot of the information, though, and just show the dependents' names listed, don't you think? Yeah, if you don't know what redact means, oh. what are you, lawyer? Uh, <laughs> you just take a, a black magic marker and mark out the information that would be dangerous to fall in a criminal's hands, like your social security number. Then you copy it, make sure the stuff is not readable at all, and you provide it that way. Heather in Pennsylvania says, this is a follow-up question to your fantastic discussion of when and if to prepay on your mortgage. How about people who are nearing retirement and cannot afford to retire due to their mortgage payments? Should we make extra payments gradually in the years prior to retirement or put that money toward retirement and then take out a large sum at retirement to pay off the mortgage? Is there another option? I'm 56 and 18 months in have $180,000 left on a 15-year mortgage at 1.875%. It's my rate. I would like to retire between 63 and 65 at the latest, and I'm on track. So, all right, I'm going to blow your mind, but you'd be crazy to pay one extra cent on a mortgage at 1.875%, where right now, just in a CD you could earn 5% on your money. You'd be throwing money away. The opportunity cost of you not investing money or even saving money that you're going to earn a spread on over these next, so you got um, seven to nine more years of work in front of you. Pay as agreed um, and do not accelerate paying on that mortgage. And you think about where your balance is going to be in seven to nine years. It's going to be a really manageable mortgage balance below a hundred. that low interest rate. You'll be below $100,000 at that point on a property worth quite a bit more. And so even if you were to put money in a savings account earning more than double, well, almost triple what you're paying in interest on the mortgage, uh, any alternative, including investing or saving, would be better than you prepaying on a mortgage at such a low rate. And it's not going to be the end of the world that you're going to have, in the overall scheme of things, a relatively small balance on that mortgage the day you retire. M in Colorado says, I have a question about where to find side hustle jobs that are part-time and remote. I make 150 to 170 k per year, have all my ducks in a row, and they, she lays out everything. Recently, however, I've had to spend 10 k on fixes for my parents' house with another 60 k estimated over the next few years. All right, what a wonderful adult child taking care of your parents. Mm-hmm. Rather than selling my investments, I thought I could see about earning some money on the side. Could you please send some advice my way? Thank you for all you do. So... There's a website run by the great financial genius, Kathy Kristoff, who's an amazingly bright woman. Kathy Kristoff stopped writing financial columns and now does a website called Side Hustle, S-I-D-E-H-U-S-L dot com. And we also have our guide at Clark.com. What Kathy does is she reviews different opportunities and lets you know what is a real one and what is not so real, I think you'll see benefit 
And looking at our guide, we have 23 easy ways for you to make money is how our article is slugged. And then Kathy's website is all about the best opportunities for you to earn money on the side that fits your particular skills. And again, it's so kind of you to now be taking care of your parents. My late father used to say, one parent can take care of 10 children, but 10 children can't take care of one parent. And you're proving my late father wrong. So I appreciate you being with us so much. And we just mentioned Clark.com with money advice you can trust for your wallet. And for the best deals of the day, check out ClarkDeals.com. We serve you around the clock to fatten your wallet and to trim your spending.